This is Building Lifestyles, a show designed to help everyday Australians create a lifestyle that inspires them using property development strategies. On the show, you'll hear from everyday people changing their lives doing property development. You'll learn from their successes as well as some of the challenges they've faced along the way. We also talk to experts from a range of fields who share specialised techniques that you can use to accelerate your property journey. I'm your host, Amanda McEwen, and I'm the founder of The Rising Star Developer, and I'm really passionate about helping everyday Australians build lifestyle using property development. Amanda McEwen here, your host of Building Lifestyles. Today we have a special guest, Drew Evans, who is the founder and the head strategist of Kaifu Property, a company who helps time-poor professionals grow their property portfolios and wealth by done-for-you small-scale property development. Kaifu Property is a name synonymous with duplex developments, and Drew is regarded as a champion in the realm of small real estate investments. Drew's approach to property is more than just business. It's about creating a lifestyle that resonates with the rhythm of the waves that he loves to surf. In this episode, we'll uncover the strategies that propelled Drew and his team to the pinnacle of success, clinching the Best Property Investment Advisors Award in 2019 and earning a finalist spot in 2018 by Your Investment Magazine. Drew's mantra is think big, start small. And that reflects his journey from humble beginnings to his towering achievements. Drew believes in the multifaceted potential of duplex developments, keeping both selling one to satisfy financial obligations or selling both to reinvest in new ventures. His philosophy is anything you're adding value to a site is what I consider to be development. It's not just about financial gains, it's about creating a portfolio that aligns with your life goals. Drew often says the whole concept is if you're going to spend time, effort and the energy in a project, you want to make sure that it's worth a lot more when it finishes, but also that you have the ability to make a profit. So join us as we ride the waves of real estate insights and lifestyle philosophies with Drew Evans right here on Building Lifestyles. Welcome, Drew. Hey, Amanda. Thanks so much for having me. Pleasure. Now, I'm really excited about sharing your background and what you do with the listeners because there's so much synergy from the conversations that we've had prior to now. Your story is fascinating. So can you please share with the listeners your journey of how you started in property and how it's got you to where you are today? Sure thing, no worries. So if I've got a bit of a strange accent, it's uh, because I do. I actually grew up in Zimbabwe in Africa and uh, moved over to Australia in 2001. Now, uh, my property story is a little bit unique in the fact that uh, my introduction was actually through my parents. So uh, I wasn't smart enough to get into university. So I did the school of hard knocks and then went traveling. And uh, long story short, when I did get into uni, my parents could uh, afford the international fees. And the deal that they had was, hey, Drew, listen, you get to live in these houses as long as you help us renovate them in the holidays and rent them out to your friends. And I guess that was what sparked my interest in essentially learning how to get money to work hard for you and you're not working hard for your money. Fast forward, you know, I ended up working for National Australia Bank. I then worked for a property developer here in Newcastle, infamously, and he taught me exactly what not to do in developing. I then worked for one of Australia's biggest property education companies. And here we are today where I figured, listen, I think I can do bigger and better myself through using wholesale investment strategies to fast track pretty much anybody's portfolio. So uh, that's a bit about me. Amazing. And so as a result of that, through your own projects, you then created your own company from that, helping others. So tell us a bit about that. that. Yeah, I did. So I was working for another company and I was pretty fortunate at the time that I was investing personally behind the scenes. I got to a point in 2015 where my property portfolio paid enough for me to live, paid for my rent in Sydney. 
And I was lucky enough to, to set up my own company and live off my property portfolio for the first few years in business. What was the catalyst for me was, was really taking a wholesale approach to anything that, that I did, as opposed to the typical retail approach. And that's a, a big mistake I think a lot of people make is they buy a piece of real estate and then they hope and pray that it's going to go up over time. And listen, traditionally speaking, property in the right areas does go up over time, but sometimes it takes five, 10, 15 years later to figure out that you may have bought a lemon. So for me, you know, pretty young, pretty ambitious. I wanted to fast track my results. And in the early days, it was really understanding that property investing really is a game of finance because at the end of the day, unless you've got a rich uncle or a relative or family, you need to keep the banks happy. And that's what led me into small scale developing where you have the ability to take profit off the table, use the proceeds that you make to pay down debt which frees up your borrowing capacity to allow you to, to rinse and repeat the process. Yeah, and you mentioned a key philosophy that I teach in my community as well is around the concept of wholesale strategies. So when your typical investors tend to buy a finished product where a developer has made a fair amount of profit, whereas when you're using more of an active strategy where you're creating your portfolio that enables you to create profits and then be able to recycle those profits and grow your portfolio so much faster. And you see this time and time again in your business. Yeah, we do. So I, I look at the property market no different to any other product. Like go to the supermarket and pick up any product. And you sort of establish that it's it's like the food chain. You know, there's margin everywhere. And I guess my investment philosophy, as does my clients, is to try and control as much of that margin as possible. You know, so if you look at an existing property, you've got a land developer that's made money, you've got a builder that's made money, you've had a developer developer that's made money, you've got a real estate agent that's made money, you've then got a vendor that's made money. And I guess if you buy a retail property, you're the one that comes at the end and you purchase everybody else's growth, essentially. So that's what I love about developing is if you can try and control as much of that food chain as possible, then obviously the results speak for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So just share with us how property has actually changed your life, enabled you to be able to live a lifestyle that inspires you. Substantially, substantially. So I'm where I don't want to come across the wrong way when I talk about this, but it's, you know, I'm a pretty humble guy. So it's all, it's all the truth. Listen, I met my now wife, bought my dream house on the water in Lake Macquarie through using property development is I've, my strategy at the time was my biggest success, but it's also one of my hardest learning lessons in the fact that I bought, developed, sold, used the profit I made to pay down the debt, bought, developed, sold, pay down the debt. The success is, you know, I live in my dream house completely debt free. The learning lesson is, don't sell unless you need to, because if I didn't sell, those properties would be worth, you know, millions of dollars more. So uh, in terms of where we are today, like literally, you know, I was, I was doing my bio the other day, 10 years ago, sort of started with a $39,000 deposit through working three jobs, saving up, got into my first project. Not even 10 years later, you know, my portfolio now is valued in excess of $26 million, brings in 25 grand a week in rent. Obviously that's not all cash. So you've got expenses and stuff to come out of that. But um, yeah, it's one of my favorite sayings that Tony Robbins actually says it, you know, most people overestimate what they can do in 12 months, but underestimate what they can do in a decade. And it's so true. It's so true. Yeah. So for me, I guess my property portfolio allows me to live the life that I want. And I think, Amanda, you, you'd attest to this. A lot of people will go and purchase real estate, which ties them further and further to their job or further and further to their business. Whereas the type of real estate that I invest in, it pays me to own it. I don't have to pay it. So uh, everything has got to do with improving your lifestyle. Yeah, no, so true. And and that's why Rising Starts philosophy is all around building lifestyle because you can make more money, but ultimately why we actually make money in the first place is to be able to create a lifestyle that inspires us and have that financial security to have that freedom, which so many people try to seek. And I do love your philosophy and it's very similar to what we've done as well. We've done a lot of developments as well and sold and used that money to be able to get rid of our, our principal place of residence debt and be able to have our own home debt-free as well and then be able to create 
your buffers and your financial wealth once you have your own home paid off. It really does give you so much more breadth to create cash flow and wealth, which is, and property development has certainly enabled us to do that and and fast track it, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, paying off your house does two things, right? Like number one is it frees up your after-tax cash flow so you don't have to contribute towards paying off a a mortgage each and every month. Number two, in the eyes of the bank is, you know, you don't have any bad debt, you only have good debt. So it's kind of this double, double whammy. And that's sometimes when I guess you are developing is you need to kind of get clear on your goals and say, hey, listen, you need to begin with the end in mind. Rome, Rome wasn't built in a day. You and I both know that. And, and it's sort of making sure whatever you invest in for your first project is going to help set you up, not going to set you back for the one after that and the one after that. Yeah. Yeah. So true. And I started off in my original, my very early days, just being a traditional buy and a hold investor, buying retail, holding, hitting the bank's glass ceiling, and then realized, oh, what do I do now? Um, yeah. And part of the journey and that's why I hear so many investors who may have been to an education seminar or or just think that that's the way you create wealth right you just buy a retail property you sit in it for 10 years you, you know buy your 10 properties in 10 years pay down half in five years live off the income and they get sort of either halfway two things happen they either get halfway and hit the bank's glass ceiling and can't invest any further and then their whole wealth strategy just goes to custard or they get to the end if they've been lucky enough not to hit the bank ceiling and may sell down half but then they've got this big fat principal place of a residence mortgage still there and it's like well hang on a second how are you going to get rid of that to then be able to live off otherwise all that money that you're generating for your portfolio is just paying off your non-deductible debt so that's why i'm really passionate about educating people let's get rid of that principal place of residence debt yeah. first because then that opens up your wealth creation strategy so much further. I think I think my take on that, you know, there's a hundred different ways to make money in real estate. There really is. You know, there's no right or wrong. It's just what's right or wrong for you. And yeah. uh, yes, I'm a big, big believer of buying blue chip real estate. So, you know, on the ocean, waterfront, city front, which are great. Like, don't get me wrong. You see these amazing homes, but the challenge that I find a lot of people have is you may be able to go and buy one or two of these properties. And then you're right, you get stuck. And what's the point of having one or two properties if you get stuck and you spend the rest of your working life trying to pay down these blue chip properties? So I guess for me, it's it's understanding that property development, it's not like you're a tree and you can't move. It's always you know very flexible and you can move and adapt depending on what your goals are. So, you know, I, I get ripped off by my brother the whole time. I have absolutely no idea how to swing a hammer. You know, I've, I've tried to renovate my house three times. I've literally ended up in hospital twice. So I've given up given up on that. And for me, it's it's all about finding the right team to execute on the right projects to give you the result that you want. How you get to that result is obviously personal preference. Yeah, definitely. And you, you said something earlier, which is a key philosophy within Rising Star as well, is like starting with the end in mind. So when you go with a project thinking about, okay, how is this project here going to help me achieve my financial and my lifestyle goals? But also having those multiple exit strategies in place. And I, I, I know you mentioned this when I introduced you is, having your plan A, B, and C with your strategy. So if you're building two or three or however many, and you may start off with going, okay, I'm going to sell all these, or I'm going to keep two and and sell one, or I'm going to keep all of them, whatever it is, depending on what happens with the dynamics of the market, then just for the nature of the project and having looked at those different exit strategies at the beginning, whatever curveballs happen, COVID coming your way or a GFC or interest rate rises going skyrocketing, at least you've got different ways of being able to exit that property that are going to leave, going to help you still make progress towards your financial goals. And it's not going to leave you with the tide going out and going, "Uh Oh, what do I do now? Happened. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you always want to begin with the end in mind, but in the same respect, you also want to play the cards you've been dealt. You know, that the last thing you want to do is put yourself in a position where you have to sell 
because the marking conditions have changed or whatever. But uh, yeah, it also has added complications or added things that you need to factor in in terms of, well, what entity do you do development in? You know, are you going to be developing as a business? You know, do you need to factor in the margin scheme? Are you going to be doing it individually where you can keep it for the long term and claim back the big depreciation and things like that? Are you the money partner? Do you do joint ventures? So all of these things have implications around, well, what's the end goal? Because it has an adverse effect on saying, well, listen, for me, number one is always making sure, well, can you get the finance? Because you can have the fanciest structure in the world, but if you can't get the finance, what's the point? So for me, it's like, well, what's the end game plan? then how are you going to get your finance? What is the best entity to do that on? And then in my opinion, you judge it as the development projects on. But you're right. Like once you start to get a lot more in depth with this strategy is you could have, I guess, the same kinds of projects, but different strategies behind each and every one of them. And that's where my personal investment strategy at the moment now is building up a development pipeline because I'm sure your listeners can attest to and so can you. Developing isn't an exact science. You don't click your fingers and you get the results straight away. There's a lot of time, a lot of stress and a lot of process that goes into it all. But for me, what I've learned in my personal portfolio is if you can control real estate, time more often than not does the heavy lifting. So I guess in my personal portfolio now, my personal strategy is my investment strategy is to have a a development pipeline of 10 projects at any one point in time. Now, you don't fund 10 projects all at once. That gets extremely expensive because you have an interest bill that's going out and you don't have any rent that's coming back in, but you can use staggered settlement timeframes to help build up that strategy. So I've just completed two projects. I've got two that settled in a couple of weeks. I've then got two that settled mid next year. And I've got two that finished at the end of the year. So again, my strategy is to have a rolling development pipeline. If you have the finance capacity to allow you to do that. Yeah, definitely. And then also, and I've done this in the past as well, with that, you can also put a renter in there for a certain period of time. If that's going to be your project in a couple of years, it becomes an investment property for a little while until you're ready to go. Amazing. Amazing. And that's and that's very, very good point because of my pipeline of 10, I'm, I should just clarify, I'm not selling all 10. There's some in there that I genuinely believe that the, the majority of the growth hasn't happened yet. So why on earth would I sell it? Real yeah. estate is expensive to get into. And it's expensive to get out of. So, but in the same respect, you need to weigh up the opportunity cost of holding a project versus the opportunity cost of selling it. Yeah. Okay. There, that's so true. So if you think back to the beginning, and I think sometimes when you've been in this game for a while, it's almost need to go back because that really helps people who are just starting out. Think back to the beginning, what were some skills that you lacked and what did you do about it? What did I lack? I think the biggest skill I lacked is you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes being too ambitious without understanding everything can really bite you in the butt, um, you know, and that's where, you know, when it comes to property developing, it's it's not like you, you know, you're going down to the pub and you're shouting your mates a couple of beers or whatever the case is. Like we're dealing with life-changing money. So one of my philosophies now is, is think twice, cut once, right? There's no wrong with doing a whole bunch of due diligence and research on the back of a napkin and figure it out and go, hey, listen, what could possibly go wrong? And plan for that to, to, to make it happen. What else have I done wrong in the past? I think purchasing property in the wrong entities for me has been a big one, you know, where I just got bad advice, but again, I don't want to harp on the negatives. What else have I learned? Understanding when to cut your losses. That's a big one because again, you can make the numbers, you can fudge the numbers on a project to what you want to see fit. What the market dictates versus what you want sometimes is, is very different. And, and I guess for me in the early days, 
my ego probably didn't want to acknowledge that. Yeah. And property development is a great way of keeping egos in check, doesn't it? So as soon as you start bidding in chess, thinking I've got this awesome project, it's profitable, a curveball can come out of left field and go, hang on a second, let's just put you back in your place now and remind you of the fundamentals. Yeah. Well, I mean, I remember my first, one of my first projects I did is I spent a stupid amount of money getting architectural plans done. I got like really fancy landscape gardens done. Hey, mum and dad, look at me. You know, I'm learning to be a developer. Come and have a look at it. And, and on handover of the project, listen, it looked really good. I decided to rent it out, drove back three months later and, uh, you know, not so much. So in, in property developing, I guess there's two major lessons that I've learned is you can lose money in two ways. Number one is you can overcapitalize, you know, which is what I've just done, spending money on architectural plans, spending money on landscaping, which doesn't necessarily give you a dollar return if you're going to keep them for the long term. Or, or number two is you can undercapitalize. And, and this is one of my favorite sayings is, Cheap is not affordable and cheap is cheap for a reason. Um, I think a lot of people get caught out on that is, you know, when you're doing your research and your feasibility and you may go out to tender with numerous builders, you, you, you navigate naturally towards the cheapest build contract. And sometimes that's a huge mistake, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. And we have a philosophy. I always try to create a champagne product on a beer budget, but that doesn't mean going cheap. It means yeah. spending the money wisely and really right. understanding what your target market wants, because it's not about your taste and what you think looks pretty. It's really doing that research upfront to be crystal clear on who your target market is and what do they want and then create it. Because if you do that, you're always going to create a product that is going to sell because you're listening to the needs of the market rather than creating a product, say, for example, a market wants two bedroom, one bathroom, but you're creating a four bedroom, two bathroom, double garage home in an area that just doesn't warrant that. Um, yeah. I mean, there's always product mix, of course, but when you understand the starving market, then that makes it so much easier to be able to de-risk your project as well. Yeah. I actually had a humbling experience. Uh, it was only a couple of weeks ago on a project I'm developing. I won't say where because it's still, still ongoing, but I uh, spoke to the agent. And I was like, hey, listen, you know, you've given me this appraisal, but I've spent a heap of money getting higher ceilings, you know, expanding, getting super, like European appliances, getting ducted air conditioning throughout, getting like all this fancy stuff. And the agent was like, Drew, you're an idiot. Why are you doing all that? Are you doing it for you or are you doing it for your tenant or for your prospective buyer? And I think that's a really good takeaway, which you touched on, is you should be developing the product based on the demographic that's going to buy it or that's going to rent it. Huge takeaway. Yeah, for sure. So if we think about the last couple of years, they've been quite tricky in the property world and developing world with material and labour shortages and interest rate rises and builders going under. How have you navigated that within your business and your clients and your own property development? You're right. It has been. They call it the profitless boom, as, as yeah. you know. It's been really tough, right? Like, But something I'm incredibly proud of is we have never lost a client a single cent ever. And that's a track record I'm proud of and I'm going to keep for a long time. So listen, it is a bit of a, a silver lining because yes, we did have delays in land registration. Yes, we did have build prices going up. But the silver lining to that is what property prices did in the meantime. You know, we have had clients that go, oh, Drew, I'm really not happy paying a 20, 30, $40,000 build price increase. I guess, Amanda, this is where my company operates maybe a little bit differently to a lot of others in the fact that we need to partner with a builder to make sure that you actually have a completed product. Because imagine this, imagine if you go through four, six, eight months of, of a development approval, you get your development approved and then the builder goes bust, right? You, you, it's not like you can just go to another builder and say, hey, listen, can you build these DA approved plans? Because the builder owns those plans. They own those designs. So we work very hand in hand with a select few bunch of builders because we know they agree to our development terms on a retail basis. We know that they have a vested interest in keeping us happy and our clients happy because otherwise they don't get the next 10 jobs. And we also know that they do a good quality product. So it has, it's been tough. Our biggest successes, to be honest, have been through this COVID period. 
Like it's insane how much money some of our clients have made. Yeah, and I can I see the same thing. It's, it's always fascinating when you listen to the mainstream media and you hear word about the street and you hear all these negative stories. But yeah, I've I've had my most profitable couple of years. I mean, they've been challenging, absolutely, navigating all of these curveballs. But I've made the most money I've ever had on projects in the last couple of years, and as have my students. Because you're right, yes, building costs have gone up, but so too of the end sales prices, which has really minimised, you know, negated that, that variance. But you also do raise a really key point here. And this is something that is important regardless of whether you go through the last couple of years or even 10 years ago, is that your choice of builder and your choice of the team that you surround yourself with is the difference between having a smooth ride and a bumpy ride. And building your A-team and those strong relationships are so, so important to your business. And, and also understanding the challenges and how it impacts them. And that's part of the relationship, right? So I know when I catch up with my builders. I'm always just asking, you know, how are things going in your business? How are you navigating these challenges? Like having those conversations regularly. How are you managing your cash flow? You know, under doing your research on their financial viability because you can have those conversations and there's always warning signs before a builder's in trouble anyway, but you know what to look for. But having those relationships and understanding the pressures that they're dealing with and working with them, like I know in some of my projects, right, where they've been hit with variations in price, and, yeah. and I've got a fixed price building contract. But at the end, I know full well that it's costing a lot more than than uh, what they're charging me for. And, and so if they give me a variation, then we work together and, and iron that out. It's not like, sorry, mate, your problem. It's like, no, right. no, no, that's not how we work with our builders. It's a, it's a team relationship. And we work through these challenges together because we want our builders to be around for the long term, not the short term. That is incredible advice. And that's obviously why you're very good at what you do. Because that's the attitude, in my opinion, that you need to take as a developer. You know, life isn't always rainbows and daisies and developing is the exact same. Sometimes you can take the moral high ground, but that's going to get you nowhere. And it's just going to turn out to be way more expensive, you know, than if you were to, to work together well with everyone. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting times, but I'd love to get your take on what you think is going to happen in the future. Because I often get asked by, by my clients, Drew, well, now that we've seen COVID go past and we've seen things start to come back to a norm, in your opinion, do you think building prices are going to come back down again? I don't they'll come back down and, and none of us have a crystal ball right so we always just have to make decisions based on the information we've got at hand i look at a couple of fundamentals so firstly i look at the supply and demand in the market and as yep. we know there's still an incredible shortage of product on the market and not only that because of the nature of the building industry in the last couple of years there's been a lot of projects that have been put on hold people actually steering away from development so the natural quantity of supply that we need to be able to just meet demand is yeah. so far behind. So you've got a mix of that. You've got a mix of the immigration that's coming into Australia and huge amounts of immigration and just not enough product. And we have a real affordability problem as well. So from a developer perspective, creating this supply, I can't see that changing for the next three to five years just because of the time it takes to create this product, right? So yeah, just fundamentally, I think to create the product it's definitely there. And if you think about the prices, you've got the supply demand that actually impacts on the price of how you sell your product. So if the supply is not there and the demand is, naturally the pricing is going to keep going up until you get to that equilibrium. So that's my view from a, a supply perspective. From a build cost perspective, I think that's going to come down to once again, the building you know, demand and supply. So if we start now getting material supply 
you know, that's now coming back into the country and that's all started stabilising. And then, yes, there's been a real labour shortage over the last few years. But a lot of that was due to immigration, not, you know, not having skilled labour coming into the country. And that's slowly working itself out with the, the borders being open. So I think we'll start to see a stabilisation of the labour and the material shortage, which I think will then benefit us in terms of our build costs, provided builders are loading, loading our prices. So I, I really do see that side of things stabilising. Will it go back? Unless, of course, the price of steel and the cost, price of materials drops back considerably. I can't see that happening until inflation stabilises itself. I can't see that changing much either. But I think with the nature of the supply side of things still being so short, I still think there's plenty of opportunity out there for developers to make, you know, to, to create product the market actually needs, but also to create profits in the meantime. I think you absolutely nailed the answer to that question because my opinion is the exact same. I'm in the middle of filming a behind the scenes development process from developing a house from start to finish. I've been on site for the last seven weeks and I've got another seven to go. Um, and I can tell you now, like, unfortunately, when you are an investor developer, you just look at numbers on a spreadsheet and you go, nah, surely you can make it cheaper. You can get the margins a little bit higher. But when you're actually on the ground and you realize, listen, these projects don't build themselves. Like they get built by real people. And these real people have real jobs. They have real businesses. Like, you know, imagine if, if your staff start coming to you and going, hey, Drew, listen, please, please pay me less money. Uh, is <laughs> that going to happen? Like, it's, it's not going to happen. But you extrapolate that across the whole industry. Your Section 94 contributions, your headworks charges, your subdivision fees, physically getting onto site. Like, try telling a bunch of concreters <laughs> to come to work and get paid less. Like, yeah. honestly, and that's something I've really struggled to come to terms with personally is saying, listen, we used to build this house for X amount and now we're building for this amount. Like, that makes no sense. But I think it's just going to become the new norm. And I agree with you that I think once we do get a bit more of an equilibrium in terms of labor supply and the material cost stabilizes a bit more, I think the new norm will set the benchmark and we're not going to have these crazy build price increases like we did throughout COVID. Yeah, definitely. And then I think inflation is a big factor of that as well, because, of course, every single sector of the market is still being hit with inflation. So I think then when that stabilises as well, we'll, we'll see some stabilisation in prices, but that won't happen until inflation is under control and, and labour as well. So, I mean, that's our crystal ball view, but I think I think that's underpinned by strong fundamentals and understanding of the property market, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Totally, totally. Amazing. So in terms of you get to see a lot of, like I, like myself, get to see a lot of new people entering into this wealth creation and property development space. What's the most common mistake that you see new developers making? The biggest mistake, I would say with no disrespect, going to a masterclass, going to a boot camp, going to a seminar, coming out of a three-day event, expecting to be Donald Trump. That's the biggest mistake I see because, listen, these events are super educational and they can be super warranted, but it takes time to get skilled, to build up the contacts, to build up the knowledge base and to build up the team around you. So that's one of the biggest mistakes I see is, is attending these events, coming out and thinking you can do it straight away. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. And just furthering onto that, I think education is really a key gap that I see because I hear as you would too you hear these horror stories of people who've done development right they've gone out there they've seen a mate do something or they've driven past a development down the street and seen a two site that you know what yeah I can do that and they yeah. go out and do that without having even done a feasibility to make sure their project's financially viable not even understanding the key process to follow where and, and then you hear them losing money and the strain in relationships and it's like oh my gosh if only you had invested in your own education through someone who's doing what you want to do yeah. um, that just fast tracks you but you're right it's not just about attending a three-day event and it's not about just doing an education course you need support because I know with my students as well I'm very lucky to have twice a month I catch up with my students right and 
they get to have their questions answered real time. So, and that they're also hearing questions from people who are at different stages within their community about you know, someone might be looking for a deal, somebody else is about to turn soil, somebody else is selling their product, and they're able to hear the challenges that they're having and hearing the answers to that. But that just fast tracks your own knowledge and learning and education to be able to get yourself supported as you're going through a project, I think is really, really important. Don't, don't get me wrong. Yeah, hundred percent. The community that you've built is amazing because you can, I mean, one of my biggest advices, if you are getting to developing is learn from somebody that's done what you already want to do. Yeah. And if you can have a support network and an environment and a community that allows you that, my gosh, that's powerful, right? It's the reference point is when somebody doesn't have that and they go and sit in a boot camp and then they come out because they spent five, 10 grand. That's the mistake because property can be very, very unforgiving if you get it wrong. So what do you say to people who think it's too late to get into property or they feel like they've missed the boat or they've missed that boom market from the last couple of years? What's What do you say to people that feel like that? Well, I guess the response is it depends on the individual circumstances, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, too late based on what? Is it based yeah. on age? Is it based on life cycle? Is it based on dollar figures? Listen, probably, in, probably developing has been around for a long, long time and it will continue to be around. For a long, long time. I think that it is going to get harder and harder in the fact that we're going to have the have and the have nots in terms of your ability to borrow money, right? And I think that there's going to be a huge wealth divide, what's happening in the country, and we're already experiencing it now. So I don't think it's ever too late, right? I guess if you want to get into it, you can still learn about it. It doesn't mean you have to go and transact a million, two million, five million bucks straight away. You know, dip your toes in, learn, get educated, get comfortable, understand the pros, the cons, what can go wrong but also what can go right as well. Yeah. Um, and obviously do it at a pace that you're comfortable with. So I don't know. I don't think it's, it's ever too late, but it's obviously dependent on your personal circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. And I've got students that range from I mean, their, their mid th- mid to early 30s, even up to their 60s and still doing deals. So it's amazing. So yeah, it's only your own perception, isn't it, in terms of missing the boat. And if you're looking for a perfect market, perfect doesn't exist in the property world. Perfect time, perfect deal. You just need to get rid of the word perfect. So you help people get into their first, second and beyond deals. And you also help do I'd love to be able to hear or share with listeners what you actually do because I educate people, but you actually do it for them as well, which can really help people who are a bit nervous about dipping their toe in the water or just don't have time. So we'd like let us share if you can share with what you do. Yeah. With so so essentially my business is designed for time poor professionals, right? And to be fair, when I say professionals, that's a, a loosely phrased word. It's anybody that knows what they need to do, they don't necessarily have the time, the skills, the experience or the industry contacts to bring it all together. And that's where my team essentially becomes your professional circle to make it make it all happen. Now, I'm in the industry of adding value to, to our clients. If I can't add value to you, then there's no point in you joining our business. So I guess the way that I've created my business is making sure that it's almost like speed dating and the fact that it needs to work for the both of us. Yeah. So, you know, if you haven't seen my company before, you haven't seen what we do, the first step is to book in a phone call and say, well, listen, what are your goals? What are your objectives? What are you trying to achieve? More importantly, where do you stand today from a finance perspective and where do you want to be? We actually reverse engineer it and run your finance capacity based on your circumstances today, based on you know three or four different variables. If you were to change up your portfolio a little bit or your individual circumstances and then come back and say, okay, well, listen, John and Mary, this is what your finance capacity is today. If you were to develop a house, if you were to develop a duplex, if you were to develop a development pipeline, can I justify charging you a fee to come and work with us? The answer to that is yes. Then obviously we move because Amanda, I can sure you and, and everyone else is if I can't show you how I can add a ton of value to your bottom line and you can't show me how you can afford the projects we have, 
it's a complete and utter waste of your money. And to be honest, it's a waste of both of our time. So number one is we make sure that we can help you. Number two is then we go through and say, well, listen, what do you actually want to do? Let's reverse engineer a strategy by having your own portfolio strategist. Is your plan to buy, develop, sell, so you can use the proceeds to pay down your home? Is it to buy, develop, keep, so you can set yourself up financially? Is it to buy, develop, sell, so you can pay for your kids to go through university, to go through college? You know, there's a, a whole different reasons why you do what you do and everybody is different but i guess it's making sure that we can build a long-term relationship with everyone where it's not just about finding your first project and then you never hear from us again my business success is based on our client success where if i can help you make 100 200 300 400 i don't want to say this but it's true we've had clients make seven or 800 grand in duplex developments because if you do that how easy is it to get your second your third your fourth and your fifth and and that's where i'm very lucky as a business where we have a heap of return customers on an annual basis. Yeah, and that's amazing. And that, I think that's what I love about the synergies of our business, right? So I uh, educate people so they understand how to navigate that whole process. And and a lot of, I have a number of students who are just time poor, right? They just, they they understand the, the process and they understand what to do, but they're just so busy in life that that time holds them up for making progress. So that's where like your business to be able to do it for them and really help them achieve their goals faster. And, and I also feel that like education, if you're just starting out and you're getting somebody to do it for you, it's almost a bit of an insurance policy, right? Because it's helping you navigate through that whole process for your first one with yeah. that support from a knowledge perspective, but also having someone on the ground that can help you work through that first deal as well can be a really great way to get going so yeah totally it's a it's a really is a win-win situation and I guess naturally you get educated along the way by having somebody else do it for you Um, a lot of clients that say hey listen Drew we want to try first one or two with with your company and in full transparency after then we want to try it ourselves John and Mary I wish you all the best I hope you do does it make sense? So yeah. it creates this really cool environment for everyone involved. You know, basically we're dealing with good people. We get good results. It's a win-win for everyone along the way. Yeah. And that's my business philosophy as well. If it's not win-win, don't bother. Same as me. Yeah. So one, I'd love for you to share one key message or a, or a bit of nugget of gold that can help the listeners they can take away today and, and go and implement straight away. What's one bit of advice, a tip or something for listeners there's so many isn't there yeah when it comes to property investing it's think twice cut once for me that's the biggest piece of advice is don't fudge the numbers to make them work to stroke your ego let the market results speak for themselves yeah that's amazing advice thank you well thank you so much drew i've been amazing having this conversation with you you've got so much experience and what you do is amazing in terms of how it can help people really start making progress towards their wealth and their lifestyle goals so thank you so much for joining us i'm sure the listeners have learned so much from today and we'll certainly put some details in the show notes if you want to be able to connect with drew and yeah learn more about how kaifu can help you achieve your building wealth and lifestyle goals bye for now Thank you so much for listening. This is Building Lifestyles, a show designed to help everyday Australians create a lifestyle that inspires them using property development strategies. This podcast was produced by the Rising Star Developer. We've been helping Australians realise their financial and lifestyle goals since 2020. We play a pivotal role in educating, supporting and celebrating the goals and successes of our students and our community. To find out how we can help you realise your property, wealth and lifestyle goals, head to our website www.risingstardeveloper.com.au. To make sure you don't miss an episode of Building Lifestyles, be sure to subscribe to and follow the show in your favourite podcast app. And while you're there, leave us a five-star review as it really helps others find the show. 
I'm Amanda McEwen, and we'll be back next episode with more tips on how you can build your lifestyle. Oh,